0: Blue Wire.
1: Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier joined by my co-host Nick Filato. And for the first time this entire season, we come to you as the New York Giants, our first place in the NFC East at four and seven. Not the prettiest first place record they've ever had, but... The first time they've been first place this deep into the season. I don't have an exact number, but I know it's post-Thanksgiving. Since 2015, so that has been a long, long time. I don't think it's the prettiest first place. I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you. But this is a team that has won three straight games. Two against the NFC East, one against a team without Joe Burrow. That was bad. But they are playing better football. This is a game where the score in my mind does not reflect the actual game where the Giants more than doubled the Bengals in total yardage. Obviously gave up one touchdown to a kick return which to me is just very fluky and other than that gave up one field goal or I'm sorry gave up one field goal and then one final late touchdown that was on a third and ten play on a very bogus pass interference that I actually put up on Twitter and as I like to brag about i guess brag is not the right word but i'll use that now in this sense i don't often like to complain about the refs but now this is twice in a season so that's a lot for me and i did complain about this i put it on twitter wanted everyone to see how just terrible this was and i just don't understand when an official is literally two and a half feet away from a play and taught exactly what to officiate on how they can make that kind of mistake but they did Doesn't matter giants punted the ball back Forced fumble by Jabal Shear. Talk about getting the most out of just retread players around the NFL. That is what Patrick Graham, Giants defensive coordinator, does. But before I carry on about this Giants win, which I'm very excited about, I want to hear how you feel about this, Nick, and where you're at right now with this football team as they come off their third straight win.
2: I feel solid. I mean, I like the way the team played coming off of bye week again. against an inferior opponent. This is what you're supposed to do. You would like them to put more points on, but the fact that the Giants lost their starting quarterback who looked – pretty damn good before he went down with the injury I mean is one reason why there was only a 19 to 17 game because Colt McCoy came in there It was pretty obvious that he looked a little bit in over his head that he didn't get a lot of practice reps during the week and I mean now it's just damn yes we're in the lead in the division but the Daniel Jones injury is really really unfortunate
1: yeah so obviously this podcast is bittersweet because while the Giants played a very strong football game in my mind really you take away that kick return. I mean, you don't because it happened, but you you understand that it's fluky and that's going to happen once in a season. It won't happen again. It hasn't happened before this. And they really dominated that football game. As Jones went down with that injury, they were driving again to score. They could have scored again. And I had people in my mentions come at me and say, what are you talking about Daniel Jones was cooking in that first half? The Giants had 10 points. It's not always about the points. It really isn't, especially with an offense like the Giants where they're really grinding clock, where they're really not using too much tempo too often, especially on the road. Jones has to be evaluated for the plays he made, the post-snaps reads he made. The throw to Ingram down the left sideline was one of his best throws of his season, let alone maybe his career. That was the second one. The first one, obviously also an excellent throw by Jones. He had a couple sideline balls, one to Shepard, that was really nice. He had some misses too, but more importantly, I felt like he was playing more confidently In his post snap processing and trusting his ability to read the defense and look for opportunities and take those one on one shots that we've been wanting him to take. That obviously he hasn't always had the opportunity to with offensive line, but I think more importantly, he's becoming a quarterback. And he was this way at Duke, and he also was this way in Pat Shermer's system. But he wasn't this way at the beginning of the season in Jason Garrett's system. And that's a quarterback who's not afraid to not look for the sticks on third and short and i cannot be a bigger proponent of that there are some people who follow the nfl who say you should be going for first downs on every third down i don't subscribe to that at all i'm a big believer in the chunk play in the nfl i'm a big believer in trying to score and it doesn't matter the down in the distance when you have that opportunity and on those plays the two ingram throws he took that chance those are big time throws and they're not 100% throws. I mean, with that kind of ball placement, they are 100%. He literally dropped them right in. But for some quarterbacks and for some teams, the timing might not be right. The ball placement might not be right. Or maybe the defensive back makes a play on the ball or the receiver drops it like Ingram did in that Eagles first game that they lost. But he took that chance. Worst case scenario, you punt. The best case scenario, you're putting points on the board. So I was really excited with what I saw from Jones. But like you said, it's bittersweet because now we have to kind of figure out what's next what's going to happen with Daniel Jones in your mind Nick in your uh, I guess it would be you're not a doctor I'm not a doctor what would be your (laughs) guess right now though do you feel like Daniel Jones is going to try to Got this out and play hurt through this or do you feel like he's going to miss some time where are you at right now
2: with it i mean again i'm no doctor but i'd probably imagine that he would miss some time but we'll wait and see what this mri says tomorrow by the time you guys are listening to this maybe we'll, you guys will have a little bit more information but like you were saying with daniel jones just from a trait perspective those two throws are ingram more excellent he had a deep dig to sterling shepherd that he zipped the ball in between two defenders it was incredibly impressive and even on the deep throw to slayton that he missed he did an excellent job actually stepping up into the pocket resetting his feet and firing that ball now there was a little bit too much sauce on it but andrew thomas who had a pretty solid game got beat Kind, well he didn't necessarily get beat but the edge rusher Kind of gets up the arc quickly and kind of corners on Thomas. Thomas does just enough. But Tom or but Jones feels that pressure, something that we've kind of complained about in the past. He doesn't feel that pressure. He felt the pressure, stepped up well into the pocket, and then delivered that ball slightly, just a little bit too much. Slayton just could not get there. But just the fact that he was able to feel it, maneuver in the pocket, which I felt like he did a much better job in this game before he got hurt, that's also encouraging to me because that's just another sign of development that he's shown through this three-game span.
1: I think that's an excellent point that Nick just brought up here because you talk about okay we're seeing a quarterback who's a little bit more confident with his post snap processing. I'm still not we still don't think it's perfect. We're still seeing some issues there, but it's better for sure. It's also a quarterback who's more confident making audibles when he needs to. But what Nick said is equally as important, if not more important, because we've talked a lot on this podcast about the footwork in the pocket. It's one of my biggest issues with Jones or at least it was in the first half. And I think that Slayton play, you'll look at it on the tape, we'll look at it as well. We've both rewatched it on broadcast, but that won't show the sign the exact sign. But even on the broadcast angle you can see it he does an excellent job stepping into the pocket that's what we want to see we want to see Jones reset within that little small space kind of like the Tom Brady's do and the Drew Brees' do you don't want to see him try to escape to his right and roll off his back foot and throw or when he rolls to his left he then has to reset flip his hips. something that's hard for any right-handed quarterback what you want to see him do is feel that pressure step into the pocket yeah he put a little bit too much sauce on this but also if Slayton doesn't have to have that little hand fighting at the end of the route with Jackson who's an Excellent cornerback, and who, in some ways, locked down Slayton more than any cornerback has this entire season. Slayton did not have on his worst game of the season. Um, that might be a connection he did put a little too much on and also you bring up a great point with that Shepard play because not only did he zip that in there he put it back shoulder and I think you need to put it back shoulder based on where those two defenders or where all the defenders were in that zone so that's two of throws we didn't even talk about because the shepherd one kind of got lost in the mix of those Ingram throws but this is a guy who before his injury at the beginning of the third quarter was nearing the 225 yard passing mark he was well on his way to a 300 yard passing game he was hitting chunk yardage plays but let me ask you this nick as we move forward because you said you're not a doctor i'm not a doctor either neither of us have any medical experience whatsoever but with that said we can kind of judge what we've seen and what we saw is a guy who was trying to get loose on the sideline force his way back into the game which is not all that uncommon people who don't know this might be interested to hear at duke Daniel Jones played three weeks after having shoulder surgery it's one of the craziest things, and it's not only that like you listen to his teammates i remember reading about this when he was drafted by the giants his teammates who ultimately didn't get drafted into the nfl maybe never got a shot but three it was like an article with three offensive linemen from duke and one tight end and they were talking about all the injuries jones played through and how he was literally the toughest guy they've ever played with at any level and then you hear on the broadcast on the fox broadcast that's what I forgot who it was, maybe the sideline reporter who mentioned that's literally the number one trait that all of the Giants teammates and coaches say about Jones. So it's no surprise he tried to come back in the game, but based on what I saw, which was he couldn't plant on that leg, and you need to be able to plant on the leg to throw. That's an issue for me, where as far as maybe he'll play through or not. But I have a question for you, Nick. I think part of the reason why not only the Giants rushing attack has improved in recent weeks but also their passing game in the sense that why they're seeing more of these one-on-ones on on the outside and less so these two high safety looks and three high safety looks is because of the production in the run game and my question for you would be this how much of that do you think is because of the zone read option game that Garrett has worked in and because defensive ends have started to have to respect Jones keeping it so they can't crash and if Jones doesn't have that athletic or I'm sorry that's not the right word if Jones doesn't have the health in his hamstring and he kind of becomes this Eli Manning-esque drop back guy, is that going to impact not only their running game in your mind, but also their ability in the passing game because they might see more of those two high shells, those three high zone looks that really killed them earlier in the season?
2: It will certainly impact the entire way Jason Garrett wants to call this offense. As we've seen, Jason Garrett has kind of implemented more and more Daniel Jones zone read and it's worked, especially through this three-game winning streak. It's going to certainly affect both phases, run and pass but i also think that the giants ability to run the football with just power gap isn't necessarily because of jones's athletic ability that's just from efficient blocking excellent double teams and just a physical nature that we're not used to as giant fans and they're really kind of establishing the line of scrimmage and this isn't necessarily a team that you really are scared of by any means but washington they did the same thing and yeah. they're like oh well washington you know and, and then, philly yeah philly philly as at well at times at times And even the Buccaneers, not as much, but you had that 17-yard run by Gallman that he broke through, but it was really, really nice blocking as well. So I don't want to take anything away from the offensive line's ability to do that, but if you have a hobbled Daniel Jones out there and the Seattle Seahawks are playing them, they're not going to be worried about that. Those defensive ends are going to crash all the time. So on those type of runs, on the zone read type of runs out of the shotgun, yeah, that's going to definitely be affected. And for those
1: who might not be as fluent or familiar with it, can you break down what you mean by the DN's crashing or choosing not to crash on zone read run. So kind of I guess unpack that also what the start with what the zone read run is and then explain what the crashing and not crashing means.
2: So a zone read is the quarterback's gonna be in a shotgun, there's gonna be a running back offset standing next to him. It's gonna be the snap. The quarterback receives the snap, and then he puts the football right in front of him and he reads the backside defensive end. Now in football, defenders have gap responsibility in their run fits when, uh, when they're facing the run. So when that quarterback takes the ball, he puts it in front of him, the running back runs into what's called a mesh point, and he basically cradles the ball, but it's still in the quarterback's hand, and the quarterback makes a determination based on the read of that backside defender to either hand the ball off to the running back or pull it and then run where that backside defender was. It's on that backside defender to be disciplined and stay there and wait when you're going up against an athletic quarterback like Daniel Jones. But a lot of times these defenders see the running back head to say the left or whatever and then they'll just start crashing to try to be a back suit unblocked defender to make that tackle and that's where it's on the quarterback to keep that ball and then run where that backside defender was supposed to be we saw this time and time again this season especially against the eagles Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett were able to really make that Eagles defense pay because they kept crashing so they kept trying to stop the running back which allowed Daniel Jones to make them pay for that now if Daniel Jones does not have that uh, the athletic ability to make them pay and you know he's not going to tuck it then that backside defender's always going to crash and that's going to affect those shotgun type runs those are different than I formation runs single back runs and things of that nature.
1: Yeah, that's a great, excellent breakdown, and it's something to keep an eye on. I think, ultimately, it's not just the big plays that Daniel Jones has made in the run game that you should focus on, but it's also the way that defenses have had to adjust how they play the Giants because earlier in the season and prior to those Eagles games when it wasn't on tape, they might have been just crashing and not respecting it, and now that they were respecting it, it kind of allowed for... So like Nick said, it is only a wrinkle in their offense, but in my mind right now, with Saquon Barkley on the injured reserve, this offense needs all the wrinkles it can get especially with a young quarterback he's still young guys remember this is only his second season he didn't play a full complete season last year and he's in a brand new system his third new his third system i should say not new one but third system in three years dating back to a really different system that he played in duke than he even versus Shermer's and especially versus garrett so it just takes away one wrinkle and hopefully like nick said The success this team has been able to build on the power and gap runs out of single back will continue, and hopefully, as Nick's and hopefully not as Nick said, but I know he would agree with this, Daniel Jones will still at least have the the health. I don't athleticism. I don't know if it's the right word. I guess the health in that hamstring to be able to operate that play action game on deep drops out of those, you know, off the power and gap because that's going to be key as well. Because otherwise, they might have to just put him in the gun. Which they don't want to have to do all the time, obviously.
2: Yeah, no, and you don't want to risk re injury or just yes. further aggravation of the injury. And if he can't plant like he like he couldn't in this yeah. game you're not going to be able to throw the football obviously. no no yeah yeah if so. he the
1: first he has to get to the point to be able to plan to even throw it but if he gets to that point but still doesn't have the ability to kind of operate those five seven step play action dropbacks, I do it's tough as well
2: it, it's also man in, in the first half of the game Daniel Jones had a couple zone reads and a couple design quarterback runs where he took hits and I was like yeah, I know and I was like I do not like that where he just kind of fell off. every game it feels yeah. like we're saying that and then that one seems somewhat innocuous
1: yeah yeah. that's but, the one that gets hurt yeah and
2: that's the one. There he pulls a hamstring too. It's not even like a sprained AC joint. Yeah, I thought it would like be. That. Yeah,
1: we if we thought the injury would be to the upper body, the way he takes those hits, but it was a dive, and he just kind of pulled the hammy. And again, it's a soft tissue injury. We have seen a wide variety of these recovery timelines as Giants fans. Those obviously remember Odell Beckham's rookie season where he pulled it in training camp, tried to come back like a two weeks later just for the star season re-aggravated and then couldn't play for another four weeks or i think it was five weeks and he started in week four or five evan ingram has been a guy who's really been bad with these soft tissues those have really re-aggravated for him it's taken him so long to get back who knows what that is for jones obviously he's not a receiver or a tight end or whatever what you want to refer to as evan ingram but he so he's not running routes every he's not exploding in and out of breaks every single snap which is a good thing but ultimately if he's not able to plan. He obviously can't play, and if he doesn't have his full hamstring capability, it will severely hamstring offense now. (laughs) And no, no pun intended, but... I think I just dropped that one by mistake. I feel like I almost feel like a Nick Falatto right there with the with the steal the ring joke. No, and I'm looking over at Nick right now, trying to get a reaction out of him, but I didn't get anything out of him. I wanted kind of an angered face there.
2: I'm pretty sure the reaction is dried up at this point. It dude. is it, that that it, that whole thing. I think it's run its course.
1: You would think that, but I actually just got a DM like literally four minutes before we recorded from a guy who had a question about where to play Ryan and McKinney. And he said, by the way, I thought Nick, I thought Nick's ring joke was actually really funny. Oh, so thanks, was like, I, I told him that I would tell you. I was debating if I was going to reveal this to you and just keep to myself because I could have just kept to myself and you it let you I live on done. thinking that no one liked this joke. But I gave you the props because they were due.
2: Listeners of the Big Blue Banter podcast, please enjoy this mild manner reading from Nick Filato about our lovely ads. as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms, conditions apply. Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day every day. Head to bet online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code bluewire at betonline.ag. That's bluewire all oh one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts.
1: As far as hamstringing the offense goes, no pun intended, at some point the Giants will have to make a decision if it is lingering or he's or it's an injury that he may not get to 100% on until later in the season. What's better for the Giants right now? A hamstrung Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy? And that'll be interesting because I don't want everyone to rush to conclusion with what they saw from McCoy today because again, not a single rep in practice with the starting first team offense. It's just thrusted into the game and pretty much asked to just kind of ice a game out he wasn't really asked to do anything but having said that (laughs) my excitement surrounding McCoy is not very high Nick I think he's a very limited quarterback from an arm talent standpoint I think as he's aged he's probably slowed down in his ability to process fast I don't think he has much athleticism left that he kind of had at Texas years ago I mean this is a quarterback who's been in the NFL for years he was not my choice to sign as the backup. I think ultimately they made a decision that in a truncated offseason, learning a new system, they'll go with the veteran who can help the who can help the second year player get up to speed and just pray that he'll never have to play. But now he does have to play potentially. And I'm sitting here wondering if Alex Tanney has more juice in his arm. Somewhere somewhere sitting on his couch watching the Giants play football, if Alex Tanney has more juice in that arm.
2: I don't know. And on the practice squad, the Giants have Clayton Thorson, <laughs> yes. who is a Northwestern oh guy. And anybody God. who knows Big Ten football. Oh, my <laughs> God. Clayton Thorson.
1: I remember one of my first draft takes. It's not one of my first, but one of my favorites was when Clayton Thorson was being talked up as a first-round prospect, and I had seen like seven full Northwestern games, and I was like, this is a Christian Hackenberg-like take. Whoever is going to take Christian Hackenberg is the same guy who's going to draft Clayton Thorson. He's big, he's tall, he has a huge arm, and he's absolutely terrible at every other (laughs) thing that goes into playing quarterback. Having said that, can he operate the deep play-action game and just hand the football off and take deep shots better than Colt McCoy? I'm not sure. I, I don't have I don't know what kind of faith I have right now in McCoy do you can you bring the Giants faithful the Big Blue Bander podcast a little more faith on McCoy talk a little bit about maybe some hope I, 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 I I'm not big on McCoy
2: oh well, neither am I, I, yeah, mean, I especially know. from an armed talent standpoint yep. but he is a veteran he has had some wins in his career. I mean, I remember he beat the Dallas Cowboys Was that on Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, that Washington yeah, Cowboys. With, with that was Washington. a nice game. That was a nice game. Nice yes. Word. I think he's positive in his touchdown to interception ratio. I think That's it's 29 good. to 27 or something we'll like that. We'll take that. Yeah. So He throws a
1: different decent seam ball by the way.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's I think he's somebody that you're going to really design your offense to run the football first, try to set up play action, get the ball out of his hand quickly, try not to have him Overthink himself. I think he's like a he's a smarter quarterback because he's been around. He's been in several different yes. systems. But you don't want him extemporizing like like Daniel Jones sometimes, where Daniel Jones can uh, flow to the left, run a little bit, and then pick up some yardage. You know, Colt McCoy is also kind of a smaller dude at the same time, so. I think you're going to have to be very, and I know a lot of Giant fans won't like this, you're going to have to be somewhat conservative with how you kind of call your plays. And you're going to have to be very, very creative. And you might see some more of these trick plays with Golden Tate getting the ball and trying to throw to the wheel route, which didn't work this time, but we've seen it work in the past. But I like the call. Yes, when it was Jet sweeps to Sterling Shepard, which worked just because Sterling Shepard, who, again, had a very underrated game, Sterling Shepard, that was always. A, that jet sweep that he took and then cut back up for like four yards. That should have been a negative two yard gain. Yep. He had the play with Colt McCoy where he ran a deep comeback, fell at the top of his break. Colt McCoy fires the ball and he gets up and catches it for the first down. I mean, Sterling Shepard is just, I mean, he, every time I watch his tape, I come away just being like, this guy is a foundational piece for this team. But yeah, I mean, Colt McCoy is what, 34 years old? So you're getting what you got with them you know it's it's not something that's going to wow you and he's definitely not the kind of guy you want to be leading your team when you're first in the division
1: yeah, well certainly not mccoy actually was drafted before the giants won their second super bowl which is so wild to me that he's mm. been in the nfl this long third round pick originally by the cleveland browns uh, i think what you said is correct they're gonna have to mix in a more creative game plan agreed that it has to be more conservative but conservative doesn't really negate the ability to do what you just said run mm-hmm. a couple of those trick plays oh yeah get golden tate throwing the ball a couple jet sweeps more than just one how about two to three they're gonna have to do some misdirection throwback screens really a lot of different things but ultimately that can only take you so far in my mind if once once defense is adjusted to that it becomes really hard if you can't make all the nfl throws but i will say this i have been impressed over time watching mccoy this is just eye test stuff from memory stuff his ability to uh, work tight ends into the game. I remember when he was in Washington, he did an excellent job working in Vernon Davis late on in his career Mm. and just other tight ends who have been with him throughout his career. So that bodes well for, you know, Evan Ingram and Caden Smith as he kind of rounds back into shape if he comes off the COVID list. Who knows what's going to happen with all of
2: that. That's a low-key thing for me, too. I think Caden Smith is a... I mean, I want to watch what the H-backs were doing in this game, specifically like Levine, Toy, Lolo. But... Caden Smith, I think, could really help this rushing attack.
1: What did you think in general of the rushing attack in this game, Wayne Gallman and the offensive line?
2: Wayne Gallman is just a very... Physical, always falling forward, fights for every yardage type of running back. He's definitely for me. Like I hope the Giants resign this guy to like a two-year cheap deal or something like that. Just that backup Saquon Barkley because he's proven himself right now in gap and zone and as a receiver even. So I, I thought the Giants' offensive line was very physical. It's going up against the the Bengals. So the Bengals are a team that you can run on to to say the least, I guess. But they did what they they did their job on the road. And what was it, 24 carries for wayne gallman i believe let me pull the stats up here it's 24 carries for 94 yards 3.9 yards per carry again not great but you're still reestablishing in the line of scrimmage there were plenty of runs that were six seven chunk yes. yard runs runs where there'd be like five bangles on wayne gallman and you still see him chugging along and they had to blow the whistle eventually because the guy just never goes down and he was able to get that one touchdown after failing three times in a row and you can see on fourth down they go for that giants really trust this guy to say okay this hasn't worked <laughs> the last couple plays, but we're going to go to you again, and we're going to get it in. And they did, and that shows a lot of um, confidence in the rushing attack, the line of scrimmage, and Wayne Gallman himself.
1: Yeah, and I think, as we've talked about in the past, don't focus on this yards per carry thing. Remember, yeah. yards per carry is going to come down when he has four straight goal line carries, you know? Yards per carry is going to come down when he's used to ice a game out, and that, and you're turning in five or six runs of one to two yards, but you need to focus on other things that the one play Goleman had today where he was should have been tackled for a gain of two broke that first tackle and then nearly broke a second Mm. tackle and housed the ball I mean that was like next level running back stuff the irony of this is that ultimately I think he's actually going to play himself out of the Giants not price range but just ability to resign him because he's playing so well right now individually speaking that at least in my mind and i've obviously always been a big gallman fan so maybe there is some bias in that evaluation i don't think so i mean watching the guy run like you said those legs continue to churn he's really good at creating yards after contact which by the way was his calling card at clemson he i think he averaged 3.54 it was either 345 or 354 i remember writing up an article on this yards after contact yards after first contact at clemson and that's been consistent throughout his NFL career but ultimately he's almost playing so well that I feel like he might want to take an opportunity at playing time. If he re-signs with the Giants, what's he looking at with a healthy Barkley? Not much. You know, he's looking at scraps, really. I don't think the Giants will become a team that ultimately moves forward with a, you know, approach like they have now. And even if they do, what did Alfred Morris get? Four carries today. So they're starting to even phase him out a bit more as they lean on Gallman, which I think, in my mind, is actually a smart thing to do personally i kind of
2: wanted to bring that up too because this yeah. is the first time we're seeing that
1: yep i wonder if it's because we I think it's because jones
2: well uh, that and because the giants were coming out of the bye week maybe they yeah. really try to like limit gallman to a certain amount of carries when it's consecutive weeks and yep. they really have to rely on him. but alpha morris had four carries to gallman's 24 we haven't seen that kind of disparity yet
1: 100 percent, and maybe now that jones or we'll see what happens with jones but they may have to lean on him as more of a focal point and they may not feel like they can afford to take him off the field. I'm for it. I mean, no no offense to Morris. He's been better than I originally evaluated, but they're better off. Every every snap that he, Gallman is on the field over Morris is a more positive EV, in my mind, for the Giants. How about Evan Ingram, though? Because this was kind of a big time game in my mind for Evan Ingram. Six receptions for 129 yards became that focal point of the offense on nine targets to those big passing plays from Jones we talked about. Really most of the damage was done before Jones's injury. I think it was all of the damage done before Jones's injury. I'm not sure he had a single catch with McCoy, which just goes to show because Jones went down early in the third quarter. So really what that goes to show is that he was en route to potentially a breakout game even better than what we saw last season against the buccaneers focal point of the offense utilized vertically beating receivers off the snap with his ability to create separation down the field securing catches i know he had the fumble i think it was a bang bang play i think he caught the ball and then it immediately got batted out before he could even dig, dig it down i agree that hand grip comes into our forearm strength and hand grip comes into play there, and that needs to be improved. That was actually always one of Odell Beckham's best traits. But ultimately, I think this is a positive step for the Giants' offense and for Evan Ingram specifically.
2: Yeah, and you—I mean, what do we always complain about with, with Evan Ingram's usage? Oh, you got to use him vertically. These last couple games, man, yes. they've been using him vertically, and that is a welcome sight. For Giants fans and he came up huge with that 44 and what was it a 56 yard catch he was in one-on-one coverage and Daniel Jones put dimes out there for mm. him I think he only had one catch for like negative one yard with Colt McCoy so let's hope next week if McCoy does end up starting and again McCoy it was hey don't ruin the lead that we had that was what Colt McCoy uh, had to do so hopefully next week we could see those two mesh a little bit i could see definitely next week them using end around and maybe like tight end screens it's going to be a lot of that kind of game plan if daniel jones does not play
1: yeah 100 percent um and as far as you know darius Slayton goes i wanted to get your take on that do you chalk that up and obviously again we're going to want to watch the film before any of these evaluations are set in stone we're chalking them up as guarantees but do you just kind of file that away as tough matchup against william jackson i actually feel like william jackson is one of the more underrated corners in the league i remember I, I can't think back to that draft because he was my number one cornerback by far in that class. And PFF had him as like a top five overall player on their big board. He was so good in college. And for some reason, Jerry Reese had Eli Apple rated above he, him. He went to Houston too, right? He went to Houston, Dude, correct. what's
2: up with PFF loving Houston prospects? Yeah, that's a good question. Ed Oliver. They love Jones too. They get the tackle Jones, from the Cardinals. Ed Oliver, yeah. yeah.
1: But i mean some reason jerry reese fell in love with eli apple i just still have no clue why did he
2: actually fall in love with eli apple if you're gonna take him at 10 you obviously did dude i honestly and i know i've said this before on the podcast i think oh, the, you think that panic yeah i, I think, think it was a panic button thing no yeah i really do I don't know they I think wanted those they wanted so sad, they wanted they they wanted leonard floyd and jack conklin they got jumped for both of those guys and they didn't have the balls to draft laramie tonsil because the whole weed thing was going on dude I would agree with you, but they never even interviewed or talked to Eli Apple. But they didn't interview or talk
1: to DeAndre Baker either. Are you sure? They might have done a combine interview, but they did not have a private visit or anything like Like that. Like, Eli Apple,
2: like, I remember reading that, like, Eli Apple was shocked that he was taken to the Giants. Because he was like, dude, I never even, like, talked to them.
1: That is going to happen for some of these evals, just, but I still feel like they have a big board. They have that big oh, oh, board. Oh, Eli they, Apple was they, super high. They and,
2: definitely have a big board, and I'm not saying that it was like a random. total yeah, panic, yeah. but the Laramie Tunsil, yeah. uh situation, if you want to call it that, for those of you who do not remember, yeah. literally about 10 minutes before the draft, he's like basically locked to be a number one top three pick, something mm-hmm. like that, out of Ole Miss. Really, really good tackle, now plays for the Texans. About 10 minutes before the draft, there was a video released on social media of him smoking weed out of a out of a gas mask yeah and then that's why he fell to like 13 or 14 or something like that and i i contend if that did not happen the giants would have ended up with either ronnie stanley or jack conklin in that draft
1: yeah i mean there's a lot of weird things that came out in that draft it was a big panic draft for the giants i actually spoke with john fox former head coach of the chicago bears i did a event in new york city a couple years ago and i had a chance to really talk with him off the record I decided to bring it off the record onto the podcast. I've put it on Twitter already. I mean, I also confirmed with him that he said there's so much of this that goes on, I don't mind. But he confirmed with me during that talk about the draft that not only do teams leak, purposely leak misinformation, they also have leaks in their organization of information. And he, without confirming, but basically winking at me and smiling and saying, I can't say for sure, I won't say for sure— that The reason the Bears made that trade one pick ahead of the Giants is because they had, good, they had a good record information the Giants were going to select Leonard Floyd, the defensive end, who kind of had an up-and-down career with the Bears because of injuries, but now is playing unbelievable with football the Rams, for the Rams. Right? Mm-hmm. And a guy who I liked a lot in that class... They literally traded from 11 to 9 because the Giants organization had a leak and they knew they had Floyd. So it, it does make sense that they would panic. I just feel like they did have Eli Apple rated as their number one cornerback. Mm-hmm. And that's a really bad eval. But anyway, William, do you chalk this back to this game? Do you oh, yeah. chalk this up as kind of just William Jackson doing an excellent job locking down? I
2: would really have to see the all 22 yeah. to really say that. I mean, I know on the route that DJ missed him by a little bit. It, he had a really nice sink his hips like he does by the sticks to kind of sell that curl route or that outbreak and then he kind of stacked on top of him in one outside so on that specific route darius slayton definitely got the best mm-hmm. of william jackson but it was also it could have been game script and just yes. what they wanted to do they wanted to utilize evan ingram they liked the matchup that evan ingram had and they liked the matchup that derry or that uh sterling shepherd had they might not have necessarily liked the matchup as much for Darius Slayton. So they looked to the other ways because Slayton only had two targets. Right. But we'll look at the All-22 to see if maybe William Jackson was just shutting him down. And William Jackson is also free agent this season. I hmm. um, wonder if he's going to be sticking there or where he'll end yeah. up. But he's, he's a pretty solid player, so I'll be excited to watch that. That's
1: interesting. I don't know if the Giants have it in them to sign another big corner contract, but that is interesting because they could— obviously certainly use another corner.
2: I agree with that. But while <laughs> Yitam actually is, has been playing a lot better, man, I've been very, very uh, hard on Isaac Yitam. And I, one thing I love about him, and I know I rave about this, is his his ability in run support and his physicality, man. He always comes up and he yeah. makes some aggressive, low wrap-up stick tackles. And I always love to see cornerbacks do that because I'm of the mindset that if you're an NFL player, you should be doing that. That's not the reality. Cornerbacks mm. don't always do that. Good and, point. And he's pretty damn good at that. Yeah. Can't knock him. And we'll turn man coverage is the... That's the problem, though. (laughs) I mean,
1: if he can't cover in man, it does handicap what Patrick Graham can do. It would be really nice to have another corner who can cover in man. Echem D'Andre Baker. What the fuck, man? Why did you have to go... Dude, why did you have to get caught doing that crap? Come on. I love this guy on the roster. Still hasn't made his debut for the Chiefs, though, so... Maybe uh, next week. Maybe next week. Sunday Night Football, right? Yeah. We'll see if that happens then. Um... Before we turn the page to the defense, I have one more parting note with the offense, and then I'll see if you have anything else. But I would say this. Really, in reality, with the exception of the Dallas game, this is the first easy matchup this Giants offense has had all season long. And what did we get? Yeah, the points weren't, weren't there. But don't focus just on the points. They had almost 250 yards of offense in one half. That's insane. They're on pace for 500 yards of offense. If they needed it, if they didn't need, to, if they needed to go forward with that type of game plan where they're attacking. Let's say the defense didn't have this shutdown first half. Well, then maybe the offense would have needed to keep the gas on. And guess what? They were able to. They were connecting on chunk yardage plays in the passing game, one in the run game, and ultimately, this is the type of, this is the type of efficiency you want to see, in my opinion, as an offensive. Or as a Giants fan from the offense I know exactly it didn't lead to points in this game but a ton of points in this game um but again remember before that injury it was early third and they were driving to put another seven on the board so again I liked what I saw from the offense any parting notes on the offense before we move to the defense
2: no not exactly i think i think it's been pretty solid and a lot of this is just quick takeaways man with the all 22 i think it it can reveal a lot yeah because we we could talk
1: about offensive linemen right now just it's just what we saw but it's not yeah yeah, it's not going to be the exact analysis that we want and so we'll wait we'll wait and we'll see what happens there we want to see will hernandez versus lemieux i'm sorry yeah lemieux those snaps we want to see andrew thomas andrew thomas looked good on the broadcast so we'll, we'll see And we want to see gates we want to see i i my my i mean zeitler we can always learn from he's a fun guy to watch and then the fleming situation as well obviously pert wasn't available in this one so there was no option there all right defensively let's move there i think from like i get it the matchup was easy it was brandon allen it was mediocre okay it was a bad offensive line they do have three great skill receivers they don't really have a tight end and they have geo now because mixon's hurt
2: pandemic special
1: yes yes (laughs) but having said all that it was brilliant again man this defense was suffocating it didn't give up anything it was constant three and out three and out sack near fumble near interception near interception. another near interception and then a punt and it's just like over and over over again this defense got stop after stop and then forced three turnovers in this game including that last one to end the game Patrick Graham man I mean yeah the matchup's easy but guess what doesn't matter how easy some of these matchups are some teams can score in the nfl regardless if, if you don't play sound defense you don't tackle well which the giants do they're a really good tackling team they have great uh gap responsibility in the run game they really gave up only a what two three four positive run plays in general the the Bengals had under 200 yards of offense i think they finished with like 168 yards of total offense in this game which is absolutely insanity when you think about it that's nothing and so again i'm um, just come away as usual so impressed with the the effort it's not just graham i mean you could go into so many individual players and we will but let's start there i mean what did you think of graham's game plan against a ro- not a rookie quarterback i'm sorry but an inexperienced quarterback in brandon allen
2: seemed like the same it's hard to see the safeties from the broadcast it seemed like i saw a bit of what looked like too high and then obviously the base cover three they blitzed yeah. that's that that nickel blitz that they love to do with darnay holmes and logan ryan there was one i think it was darnay holmes where he absolutely annihilated brandon allen and he's another one man darnay holmes that just i feel like every week i come away more and more more and more he impressed a great with. game yes the the DPI was was a ghost call. That yes. was excellent. That was excellent coverage and play really. by Darnay Holmes. The interception by Lelos, which tip of the cap to that kid. I mean, you get activated on the practice squad, come away with an interception, even yeah. though if it was like that. It was because of Darnay also, Holmes. Yes, it was because of Darnay Holmes. He's the one who got his hand in there at the catch point to force that ball to bounce up in the air. So it's just this is a, you could tell that that unit is a team, man. You know, there's been giant yeah, teams in the past where it's like there there hasn't. It's not a team. It's individual players. It's Janors Jenkins. It's Alec Ogletree. It's guys like that. Mm-hmm. This is a freaking team. And you can tell they really have a lot of respect for each other, and they really love playing with each other. And the leaders, Leonard Williams, Logan Ryan, those guys are true NFL leaders, man. So like, I, I just, I really like watching this defense. I feel like every week we come away raving about guys like Williams and Jabril Peppers, but every week they deserve it. They really do deserve it. And you make
1: a great point. It really is a team that plays together. It's on the same page a lot. And it's really great for me to see the progression this season, especially over the last three games of Darnay Holmes, because the Giants have swung on these corners now for a long time, for th- really every draft of the Gettleman tenure, except for the first one. They swung at cornerback. They, they used the 2019 early third in the from the 2018 supplemental on Sam Beal. It hasn't worked out. DeAndre Baker, obviously that was kind of bad luck, but it didn't work out. Julian Love. They tried to convert him to safety, but at first maybe we thought he'd be a nickel. But now Darnay Holmes, he's really showing the most early signs of really upside progress within the system that he's also having to learn as well. Progress at a new position. Remember, he played boundary at UCLA, now he's a nickel slot corner. And he, like you said, you love some of the plays he's making. I love how he plays with his hair on fire. Like He really plays fast. Physical too. Physical and fast for someone who's learning a new position in a new scheme. So if those are the early signs you're getting a player who's making these kind of plays already and playing physical and fast in a new system in a new position, that's a really good sign for the progress. And this could ultimately be one of the best picks I think of this tenure I really do feel like that just from what I've seen from a value standpoint and they've tried to hit in a lot of these middle rounds and obviously you know you have to consider Slayton in that mix as well that's let's let's not jump the gun there but I love what I saw from Holmes today and I think that progress has continued to be made and like you said phantom DPI Paul that was perfect coverage
2: that this rookie class in 2020, I mean, I'm coming away impressed with a lot of these guys. Even yeah. some of the later round picks. I mean, Tay Crowder. I want to kind of get into the film a little bit. I haven't. I mean, I watched the game, uh, and I watched it uh, again afterwards. But like, I, I didn't necessarily focus too hard on Tay Crowder. So I really want to see how he did with his snaps. I know Xavier McKinney. I think got a couple snaps, but I, I think it was like just might um, have been special teams. I didn't. No, I was I, looking I so hard for 29. S- I think you he snuck him? on like t- two or three times, maybe. Okay. But uh, I think I saw that in a tweet. I honestly didn't okay. see it. I like, didn't see it. Eyes. I was looking yeah. so
1: hard to see twenty nine. I just
2: wanted to see twenty nine on the field, but I didn't. Yeah, he. he I think he played a couple special okay. team snaps. But even guys like Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown, mm-hmm. they they played like five, six snaps here. But you see him getting pressures. It's like Cam wh- Brown. Whew, yeah.
1: He almost forced a fumble.
2: Yes, on the, on that Brandon Allen where it, from the backside where he tracked he, he tracked him down. Whew and then uh, another one from last year's draft first round pick Dexter Lawrence there were a couple plays here where it's like how is Dexter Lawrence have that kind of lateral agility how is he able to kind of process what he's seeing and then get out even if it was to the boundary there was one play where I think it was I'm not sure if it was a tight end screen or if it was a a screen to the running back or what it was might have been just been a short pass but he comes up field. He realizes what's happening, and then he flows out there, and then he ends up making the tackle for like a three-yard gain, where it could have been like a seven-yard yes. gain. So it's like, damn, Dexter Lawrence, too, man.
1: Yeah, and you're right. They're getting some good production out of the 2020 class. They're getting production out of 2019 class, but I think it is important to at least factor in that that's relative to them having three first-round picks in that class. Oh, of course, yeah. And they're not getting anything out of one of those first-rounders. And then they also used the early third on Sam Beal from the mm-hmm. last supplemental when no other team in the NFL claimed used the third on him. And I'm pretty sure there may be one team that used the fourth, I think I read. So that it is what it is. But it, it is great to see that production. I wish it could be in conjunction with the 2018 class because they had so much draft capital and they're getting so little out of that class because mm-hmm. that would really take this team and I think it would make them a 7-4 and four team, not a 4-7 and seven. If they could have had, if they could have had a lot of production this season out of the, you know, third season from that class, and obviously some of it's bad luck. Saquon Barkley got hurt, still a running back though.
2: Lorenzo Carter.
1: Lorenzo Carter got hurt. We had high expectations for him, and that's actually a high impact position, that yeah. edge position. And that,
2: Zimenez for the next draft too. And now he yeah. looks like he's not going to play at all this he's year. Right. That's another loss. Sh- shoulder surgery. season, yeah. Yeah.
1: They've gotten a little unlucky with these picks for sure, I and mean, that's going to happen to teams, of course. Um, and McKinney as well as we touched on but again no matter what happens to this defense they're rotating different guys in seemingly every week and yet Jabal Shear comes up with a forced fumble sack to win the game and Lelos from the practice squad catches an interception
2: yeah and that's coaching and that's also these these guys yes. who are buying into the system and buying into the culture that Joe Judge is cultivating uh for the New York Giants and there's players like Kyler Fackrell too who were just Excellent at setting the edge and kind of just playing their mm-hmm. role. There, he's the starting edge rusher, right? You want more edge production from him, but he is playing his role to a high at a high level right now for what we kind of expected from him. We weren't expecting him to come out. At least I wasn't expecting him to come out and get ten sacks like he had in 2018. Like I, that was pipe dream for me. But just in terms of setting the edge, being a great back defender, and playing within the confines of this defense, I think he's been doing a pretty solid job for the giants
1: yeah it's another example of somebody who's playing really well within the system he's taking the coaching mm-hmm. he's playing with his teammates and he's playing good team ball in that sense but he's also learning like basically i'm sure this system is not much at all like what he played at with penn in green bay and capers before that in green bay and yet like you said you see him as like one of the best backside defenders in this in this defense and helping them a lot in different ways. So that's interesting. I want to ask you this because this is a bit outside the box and we can close up and wrap up these quick takeaways reaction with this. At what point and I know it's outside the box because he's 30 years old, but he is in some ways learning not learning a new position but evolving into a new position because everyone this whole defense is so unique that this is somewhat a u- new position at what point does logan ryan play himself into a second contract even at 30 years old even with the investments they've already made for the giants because today he has a really key play that forced fumble johnny on the spot it's an incredible play and this is not like a fluke with him if you look at his career one of the reasons he's one of the more underrated offensive backs in the nfl is because of his ability to force turnovers both forced fumbles and interceptions and that's a skill and at some point because he i remember reading an interview with him earlier this season where he told the giants report one giants reporter i forgot who asked him a question like i actually feel like i'm evolving into a different player within this specific system for the giants i feel like i can be one of the best safeties in the nfl it's really not a position he's played too much of the one he's playing specifically with the giants right now so at what point even at 30 does he play himself into that second deal
2: i honestly want him yeah (laughs) i want him to i don't care i I want it happen Yes, because, I mean, he could have also had an interception in this game, an easy one, where he kind of baited Brendan Allen to throw a a little quick middle hook pass, and he undercut it and jumped up, but Jabril Peppers made an amazing play on the ball and then knocked it away from Logan Ryan, but Jabril thought, obviously, it was going to be a reception for Allen and the... In the offense, But and he's another player that's just playing out of his mm-hmm. mind. He had a couple tackles and a nice pass breakup uh, along the sideline that were just phenomenal. I mean, Jabril Peppers, I can't stop raving about him, but I really want Logan Ryan for the long term as well. I mean, I think he's 30 years old right now. just getting a little bit older, but, I mean, he's the quarterback of this defense, of this secondary, and he kind of keeps everybody in line and knows everybody's assignment and helps set the defense up pre-snap. And then he's everywhere post-snap and they kind of Mm -hmm. task him to do so many different things and like you said man he's evolving into a different player he said that and i didn't watch a ton of logan ryan tape with the new england patriots i just seen a bunch of new england games and i know what he was doing in tennessee what he's doing now for new york it just seems like it's like his defense almost in a sense now i'm not that's not to trivialize james bradbury blake martinez or leonard williams or any of those guys but he's very important is what i'm trying to get at and this is just the guy the Giants signed like a couple weeks before training camp or whatever you know
1: yeah it's excellent stuff and like you said he's coming into his own in this defense and i'm of the belief that one you can pretty much never have too many defensive backs Two, you can never really have too many safeties, even with McKinney coming back in the next And three, you can make this cap work, trust me (laughs) All you gotta do is take a deeper look and stop falling for the propaganda that there's a hard gap. I saw somebody today, somebody was like, oh my god, the Giants are projected to have 21 million in cap space. No, they're not. They can rework so many deals. They can front load Martinez. They can front load Leonard. Actually, if they re-sign Leonard Williams, by the way, they can front load that contract. They can front load Bradbury because they know Bradbury and Martinez are going to be there for years. And they still have a quarterback on a rookie contract. So I think they can afford to do it. It's going to ultimately be interesting. Like you said, now with him in the mix, they have a lot of big decisions to make with that defense because three of their biggest and most important defense players this year tomlinson leonard williams and ryan three of the reasons why this season has been so good are all going to hit are all going to at least be free agents at the end of the season so we'll see what happens but on that note we're going to wrap up the quick takeaways quick reaction podcast thank you to all of the loyal big blue banter listeners i know we've spoken with a few of you lately on twitter keep reaching out hit us up there feel free to dm either nick or me we love chatting with you there if you want to do if you do want to help grow the show all we ask of you is one thing we're going to ask it again we'll ask it all the time for those of you who haven't done it already please head over to itunes give us a rating hopefully five stars hopefully you're not kwami Zill and you, <laughs> you, you start at one but at least you've upgraded us to a four um i'm actually checking right now to see if there's any new ratings and if anyone gave us a one star because you would have been called the hell out but you didn't danny in california is our most recent rating so thank you danny in california for the five star and a nice comment but yeah just give us a rating and review on itunes and make sure you download all the podcasts not just listen hit that download button as well and then last thing we'll we'll ever ask is follow us on instagram at nybigbluebanter, where sean is running an excellent account over there he's putting up content on game day prior to game day clips from our show content that's unrelated to our show but awesome stuff that literally every giants fan i know wants to see here or watch. So, yeah, that's all we'll ever ask from you. Thanks again for tuning into the show, and we will talk to you later this week with the All 22 Podcasts.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.